0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to OPCC Church Online. And want to say a happy Mother's Day to all you incredible mothers out there. What would the world be like without moms? It would be... Awful. And so we are thankful for you, and this is a very special Mother's Day for my wife, because today we celebrate our oldest daughter's birthday. And so I want to just say to Faith, happy birthday, and as always, Dad's going to sing to you today. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Faith. Happy birthday to you. I love you, Faith, and I'm so thankful for you. And all my children, it's a joy to be the father of five and an incredible blessing, and, and I'm so thankful for that. We are looking forward um, to get coming out of this COVID-19 You know, shelter in place, stay at home, thankful that the government has finally lifted some restrictions and some businesses are beginning to open. And right now, tentatively, we are looking at having public service again on the 31st of May. That's kind of our target date. We know that something could happen and and throw that off, but that's kind of what we're anticipating. And we plan on continuing to do church online. So some of you, um, I know they're advising to stay at home a little bit longer. And so we want to continue to minister to you. And we just feel like This is a tool we can use to continue ministering to people um, regardless of whether they're traveling or not. And so just anticipate that we'll continue to do services online as well. So today we jump back in to our series on the lion and I want to start with a little bit of a quiz, okay? So a little little quiz for you today. I'm going to give you some sayings and I want you to interact with one another very quickly. I'm not going to give you very much time before I give you the answer to them. But are these things that I'm about to read to you, are they in the Bible? Okay, so here's the first one. God helps those who help themselves. Is that a verse in the Bible? God helps those who help themselves. All right, you can comment online, do whatever you want to do there, but uh, you have a little debate in the living room or wherever you're watching. God helps those who help themselves. Not in the Bible. Okay, not in the Bible. Okay, here, here's another one. Um, moderation in all things. Moderation in all things. Is it in there? Is it a verse in the Bible? Moderation in all things. Moderation in all things is not in the Bible? That comes from Aristotle. Now, the Bible does teach us to use moderation, but that is not a verse from the Bible. How about this one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Is that a verse from the Bible? You can comment, thumbs up, or no way Jose, or Hosea in this case. (laughs) cleanliness is next to godliness is not in the Bible. It is not in there. Um, Now, there's certainly a lot of uh, scripture that talks about, um, you know, being clean and so on and so forth, but not, that's not in the Bible. Um, How about this one? God works in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways. Is that in the Bible? Is that a verse from the Bible? Alright, give you just a second. God works in mysterious ways is not in the Bible. It is not in there. Um how, how about uh love the sinner, hate the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Is that a verse from the Bible? Yes, no, you're not sure? Love the sinner, hate love the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin, is not in the Bible. Um, how about how about this one? This is a good one. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Is that a verse from the Bible? Spare the rod, spoil the child is not a verse from the Bible. Now it talks a lot about that in the Proverbs. It talks about you you know the rod and and disciplining children, but that actual phrase spare the rod spoil the child is not a verse from the bible how about this one so the wind reap the whirlwind so the wind reap the whirlwind is that a verse from the bible so the wind reap the whirlwind is a verse from the Bible, and it is in our text in Hosea chapter 8 today. If you've been reading in the book of Hosea, you knew that, and uh, we, we see, man, that, that, that God again is, is, is bringing out a warning to the nation of Israel. Uh, so man, the Lord, man, he's he just been like, I've been walking with the Lord in such a sweet spot, man, such a sweet spot, uh, enjoying my fellowship with him uh, literally, like man, I've been go- going to bed at night and and just the Lord is on my mind. Like I'm just thinking about Jesus, and I wake up in the morning and it's but like as soon as I wake up in the bed, like I'm thinking about Jesus, and I'm not trying to. I just am, and I, I just man, it's so sweet when your your fellowship and your walk with the Lord is that sweet and that intimate. And man, he's just been he's just been keeping me encouraged. I'm I'm so thankful for that, uh, because here's the deal, man is 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 as you know, I preach hard <laughs> I preach hard, and uh I, week after week, and especially during this series, man, as we've been jumping down in there, I have been preaching the word very hard and 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 the truth when you're handling the truth of the word of God sometimes it does come at you hard any kind of truth that you're not ready for can hit you really hard uh, and and so I want to say something to you is is that why do I do that why why am I so Um, um, strong in my delivery and in the Word of God, and 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 handling it the way that I do. Here's the deal: It's because I love you, (laughs) like that man. Like I, I, I've spent moments with the Lord this week where I've just wept, um, and my heart is aching for people to come to a clear understanding of what it means to walk with Jesus and be in sweet, intimate fellowship with Him. And so I preach hard because I want other people to come to that realization. I preach hard because I know when, when the lights came on for me, I was so frustrated that nobody got in my face and, 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 and gave, shook me up a little bit, metaphorically speaking, and let the word hit me, man, with what I was doing with my life. That's what I needed because I was missing out, and I don't want you to miss out. I, I love you all dearly, and so that's why I preach so hard, and I know... In that is that I know that, that um, I'm fully aware that you're going to reap what you sow. And that's what that verse is talking about, man. Sow the wind, reap the whirlwind. We know that in the New Testament, Paul talks about it, and he develops a, a theology a little bit around it and, and some, some life skills telling us that we reap what we sow. For whatsoever a man um, sows, that shall he also reap. And so we know that. And so as we unpack Hosea chapter 8 today, man... Like, we're going to get in there, and we're going to see some things um, that I think are, are, are pretty interesting. And, 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 then I'm, and let's just jump in and see where the Lord takes us. Verse 1. It says, and this is God speaking to Israel. Put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord, because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me, "O oh, our God, we acknowledge you. God responds and says, But Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. As they were choosing their leaders, man, and there was assassinations going on in the, in the kingdom. These kings were getting assassinated so someone else could ascend to the throne. And, and, and here's what's so important about that is that Israel was a theocracy, meaning that they were led and governed by God as a nation. He created them specifically, gave them a law, and they were, they were a theocracy. We are a democratic republic, so we are not a theocracy, but this verse right here would lean into us and say, man, before we go and vote, we ought to be thinking about who we're choosing as leaders. You say, well, I thought you said you're not a, we're not a theocracy. We are not a theocracy, but we as citizens of the kingdom belong to a heavenly kingdom that is still a theocracy. And so as citizens of the kingdom, these are very important decisions for us. And so these guys, men, they weren't do that. They were just making decisions without even thinking about it. And, and, and that's a very important thing for us to think about. I, and I'm talking about all levels of leadership, regardless of where you're at. And we're talking about the local city government Um, The school boards, as a matter of fact, those are really important because those people usually move on in politics, and we ought to be looking at people that we know have character and seeking the heart of the Lord before we just send people to make decisions about um, how finances that are coming out of our pocket and going to fund the government are going to be made. And so, it's very important thing for us to be aware of. And 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 so then he goes on. He say, uh, "You guys are like you're just you're just." Putting people in place without seeking my approval. He goes on and he says, um, With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Throw out your calf idol, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long, the Lord says, how long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a craftsman, has made it. It is not God. It will be broken in pieces, that calf of Samaria. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stock has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. It says, now she is among the nations like a worthless sling. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey, wandering alone. Ephraim has sold herself to lovers. Although they have sold themselves among the nations, I will now gather them together, and they will begin to waste away under the oppression of the mighty king. Though Ephraim built many altars for sin offerings, these have become altars for sinning. I wrote for them the many things of my law, but they regarded them as something alien. They offer sacrifices given to me, and they eat the meat, but the Lord is not pleased with them. Now he will remember their wickedness and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces. Judah Judah has fortified many towns. "...but I will send fire upon their cities that will consume their fortresses." Man, this is a heavy word from the Lord. If you go, man, we look at this and we go, this Old Testament teaching is strong, man. God would speak strong stuff through the prophets of old as he spoke to his nation. And, And he's speaking to them as a nation, as a people that he's chosen... And God tells them that destruction is coming to you. He's very clear about that. He says destruction is coming. And throughout this series, we've been unpacking with the lion as he's roaring. We've been unpacking and learning why destruction is coming. They are committing spiritual adultery on God. They've lost their way. They're not thinking about Um, the creator at all. They're only thinking about created things. And so as we run through this, and I just point a few key things out, and there are so many um, in here, but I'm just going to point a few things out for you, and then I'm going to show you something that God showed me. First of all, why why is is this happening, and and what's the situation that God, again, he's amplifying his voice. In verse 1, it teaches us very clearly that they broke covenant, and they rebelled against the law. So they broke the covenant that they had made with God. God had God had made with them and they were they were walking in agreement. They broke that agreement and they rebelled against the law. Now what is the law? That is the word of God. And so they were breaking covenant with God and 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 not walking in agreement. They were walking in rebellion from the things that he said. That's what we see in verse 1. Verse 2 they cry out, it says. It says that they say, Israel cries out to me. And what do they say? Our God, we acknowledge you. So God is looking, he says, men, you, like he's talking to the nation of Israel and says, you cry out and you say, I acknowledge you, God. But the truth is, um, this word knowledge, acknowledge, comes from the, the, the Hebrew yada. And it means it means to know by experience. And so he's saying, that you cry out to me that you know me by experience. And then he says in verse 3, no, you don't. You don't know me by experience. He says, you have rejected what is good. And he points out very clearly, you're, you're saying that you know me by experience, but you don't know me by experience. And this is very important because we look back and we go, man, Moses was given the law. He knew the Lord by experience. Joshua knew the Lord by experience. David knew the Lord by experience. But now we have a generation that's saying that they know the Lord like David and them does and did. And, and God is saying, no, you don't know me that way. You don't know me that way. And so that's, what, that's why the impending judgment is about to fall on them. And then he says um, in verse 5, how long will you be incapable of purity? Now, on the surface, that sounds like, Ben, how, how could we be pure? Um, but if you do, if you eat this word and dig into it and understand what it says, the word purity means free from guilt. And so God is pleading with his people, and he's saying, how long will you be incapable of being free from guilt? as you walk before me. And so it's all about this not knowing God in this experiential way and being honest with ourselves and knowing that we have encountered God. We're not just believing that a God exists, we have encountered him. He has penetrated our hearts, he has transformed our lives. And he is raised up in us like he was risen from the dead in his physical body. He is risen up in us spiritually, and he takes control of our lives. And that's why God is frustrated is because he's trying to walk in fellowship with them in the agreement that they had according to the law. And he wasn't expecting them to be perfect. He was just expecting them to be in agreement, and they're trying to say they are, and they were not. And then he says, um, as he asked the question, how long will you live this way? In verse 11, he says, um, though Ephraim has built many offerings, sin offerings, these have become altars for sinning. And so it was very important in the word of God that you, built a, that you gave a sin offering. But there were specific ways that God said in his word that he literally you wanted you to, to observe that sin offering. And it was to be brought to the temple and brought to Jerusalem and to be observed in the way that it was said that it should be observed. And they built altars everywhere and they were trying to keep up with um, their duty, if you will. They were religious. They were syncretists. They they were borrowing from all kinds of different things in their culture and they were trying to to do what God expected of them as well so that they could feel good about themselves and, and, and so God says to them, he points out, he says, the very thing that you're supposed to be offering, a sin offering, you've built all these things, and it's just causing your sin to be worse than it was if you didn't have all those altars, and you weren't trying to play games with me. That's basically what God is saying to them. And then, and then he says in verse 12, um, he says, my, my word, he says, listen to what he says, verse 12, I wrote for them. This is the people who want to mess with the word of God. Listen to what God is saying okay, in and, 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 and around 730 B.C., somewhere around in that area. I wrote for them the many things of my law, but they regarded them as something alien. And like, like he's saying, he's pointing out to them, my word is foreign to you. You don't even know anything about my word. You don't know anything about the law, man. And he's pressing, man. God is, he's pressing in during this a period in Old Testament history. He's leaning in hard on the nation of Israel. And then, it, and then he says in verse 14, he says, Israel has forgotten his maker. He's like, you, you, you just totally forgotten me and built palaces now, now this is this 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 word is indicative of large things. They, they built large things that they could see. And, and what's God saying? He's saying, You've built something, but it won't last. What you've built is not going to last. As a matter of fact, and then he goes on to say, I will send fire upon their cities that will consume their fortresses. And what he's pointing out is that. It won't last because the way they're walking, a consuming fire is coming. Then he talks about in verse 8, a whirlwind or verse 7, a whirlwind is coming. And, the, and he points out there's no fruit on the head, the stock. And so he's saying the stock grows up. And, and, and if you will, it's a, a, a stalk of wheat, but there's no fruit on the end of it. So you can't make any flour. So it's there. You can see it. But it's good for nothing, because there's no fruit on it. Now, as, as he points this out, what he's saying is that this is the problem where Israel has arrived at in, in, their, in their what they consider to acknowledge God. And he's like, "You don't know anything about me. Like you've made something other that doesn't look like me at all. And it's powerful. Like, like it is powerful Old Testament teaching. And 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 I think when we read it, man, and we, we think about the Old Testament prophets, we're like, man, I mean, he, God sent them a person that was just filled with passion and fire, man, and he's just he's just God's using him to bring this stuff out. And then we have it, and we're to read from it, and we're like, I think it, it, sometimes we find ourselves going, but man, and I, I think people they they take this position somewhat. It would have been easier if God would have just shown up himself and told them what he wanted to hear instead of using a prophet, okay? And, and I think sometimes people think that way in our cultures. They think, man, I, it would just be easier for me to follow God if, he, if I could just see him, if I just had a sign. Well, I want us to take a journey, if, if you will, to the New Testament. And go in about 730, 760, some years later, okay? And see what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Very fascinating passage of scripture. It's the end toward getting nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this incredible sermon. And Jesus says this now you just listen, okay? because God does show up to talk to them in person, and this is what he says. (laughs) Hear the words of Jesus today. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, Never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose The rain came, down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I'm like reading that man, and I'm like, whoa! Like that. There is so many similarities to what Jesus said to the people as the God Man. And what he said to the people 730 years earlier, 760 years earlier, through the prophet Hosea. You see, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. There's no difference in what God is saying through the prophet Hosea and what Jesus said when God showed up in his flesh, like he showed up in the flesh of man. He took on and robed himself with flesh to speak to us and tell us what He is like and what 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 he expects in order for us to walk with him. And so this like the today's talk is all about knowing the lion, man. And and he is a lion. Like he's not a kitten. He comes to you and he he says, Man, here it is. Here's the covenant. And the night before he's died, he's crucified, he he says, I'm giving you a new covenant. But it has a lot of the same stuff as the old covenant. It's just it's making a way for now God is going to live in each one of us and he's going to enable us to walk out what he asks us to do. And so in this passage of scripture that I just read from the New Testament that is so similar to the, the one I read out of Hosea chapter 8 is we see a gate, a tree, a house, and a storm. Okay? And so Jesus is using these parables to help them to kind of hang their hats on some stuff and really think about what he's trying to say. And so it's like God is, all throughout time, God is just, he's just, he's speaking to humanity. And he's saying, look, man, this is what I'm like. And this is what I want to do in your life. And this is the only way that it can happen because I am holy and I demand holiness. And the only way you could be holy is by knowing me. Okay, so in this, here's here's the takeaways very quickly. All right, they're going to come at you quick. First of all, the, the first takeaway is enter the narrow gate. That's the first thing that Jesus says. He says, uh, like, there, there, there are two ways to walk through life. And one way you enter through the narrow gate, and one way you're trying to enter through the wide gate. Now, in other passages of Scripture, Jesus said, I am the gate, okay? And so the only way to enter into a spiritual journey with the God of the universe is through Christ, but in this passage of scripture, he's talking about our our lives and the way that we're living. And, and, and so he's saying, man, enter through the narrow gate. Now, what we are living for determines which gate that we have entered. So whatever is the pa- your passionate and you're pursuing um, your pursuit of, that, that, that determines which gate you've entered. And so the narrow gate is listening to and obeying Jesus. That's the narrow gate. (laughs) It's the same thing that God was saying to the Israelites 730 years before. He's like, you say you acknowledge me that you don't. He said, you don't listen to my word. You're you're rejecting what I've called you to in obedience. You're doing your own thing. And so listening um, to Jesus and obeying what he says, his word, this is why he's called the Logos, and then he gives us the word, listening to and obeying him is what he expects of us, and that's how we know that a person's walked through the narrow gate. We look at their lives, we say, man, that person has clearly walked through the narrow gate because I could tell by the thing that drives them in their lives, the the singular things that are important in their lives are the voice of the Lord and doing what the Lord has asked them to do, okay? So that's how you know. If, If you're not doing that, you have not entered through the narrow gate. I don't care who's told you that just because you made a confession one time or you did this, look at what the Word says. Don't look at what church history has taught us. Don't look at what the evangelical kingdom has said. Just, just because you made a profession of faith doesn't mean that something happened inside your heart because you could have just said it with your mouth. You've got to look at your life and you've got to say, man, is the way that I'm living, does it look like I've walked through the narrow gate and I'm listening to what the Lord said and I'm walking in obedience? We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about a desire of the heart. And Jesus is going to further elaborate this for us, okay? Now, the wide gate is just the opposite. It's neglecting Jesus and doing what you want. Now, notice what it is not. It is not not believing in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus and neglect him. It says in the word that even the demons in hell believe in Jesus with fear and trembling. So it's not just belief, okay? It is an experience that you come to know him. This is why Jesus talks about being born again. And so it is a, it's, it's an incredible experience that we go through that changes us on the inside where we're no longer walking in a state of neglect toward Jesus. We're walking in a state toward paying attention to what he said. We're being alert. We're listening and obeying as opposed to neglecting and doing whatever we want. That's the difference between the wide gate and the narrow gate okay? Here's the second thing um, that, that we see. And again, just, I want to just clarify, it's not a lack of belief in Jesus. It is a lack of your life being laid down and giving it to him, okay? And so it's a lack of following. And here's the second thing, choose the right tree. You got to choose the right tree. And he points out, and he says, good trees produce fruit by following Jesus. That's how they produce fruit. He talks about it in John chapter 15 as a vine that uh, as we follow him, as we abide in him, as we remain in him, the Greek word meno, as we hang there with him, and we, we are in those moments and, and we're, we're experiencing him. And he's, he's like, he dominates our lives. He doesn't dominate Sunday, he dominates every day. Every day that you have out ahead of you, the Lord is to dominate if you are a person. Who has chosen the right tree, because, and then when that happens, you will start to bear fruit in your life. A bad tree, he says, talks about Jesus, but does not listen to and follow him. Okay, now what he's doing, he's saying, look, this is about false teachers, and he says, men, they're they're, they're like ferocious wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing, and they might talk about me, they might talk about God. They might talk about being in a relationship with God. They may even talk about Jesus from time to time. But they don't listen to and obey what Jesus says. They use reason because they have been so heavily influenced by philosophy and reason before really digging into what they believe and understanding that you can never, reason alone will never get you through the narrow gate. Because God has set it up that he will choose the foolishness uh, of the world. He will choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of man. And so that, now I'm not saying that, you can't, that it's unreasonable to, be, unreasonable to believe in, in Jesus, okay? I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that reason can only take you so so far, and using a philosophical approach and reason to um, understanding who Christ is will get you so far, but at some point there has to be faith that you believe that Jesus is indeed who he said he was. Now, the other side of the coin is it'll only get you so far either. As well, you can use reason and you can begin to rely on your intellect and use those things and and make a case that Christ is not God, but ultimately you come to a place where you have to have faith that Christ is not God because you can't get all the way there without it because that's the way God set the universe up to run. It's because it is through faith that we're able to walk in a relationship with him that is mutual and he reconciles us to himself, and through his sovereignty and granting us free will, and one day that maybe he will explain it to us, we are able to experience his love and love him back because he has created choice. And so why take the time to talk about this so much is because here's what I want you to see, that he's talking about false teachers, no doubt, but he's saying uh, here's one thing that's very important is that we choose who influences us. You get to choose that. You choose who influences you. And, and the choice, what it determines is the material that you build with. Right, this is all going to come together here in a second. Well, I want you to just stay with me and track as you choose. So if you choose to go to a church that is progressive, You need to be asking yourself, is that person who's leading that progressive church listening to the voice of the Lord or the voice of reason? Is he listening to the culture or is he listening to the creator? Okay? So like, this is important stuff for us in our culture today. It's important stuff for you as you walk because the same that is true for the false prophet who comes in lambs uh, dressed in in a sheepskin but inside he's a lion because he's he's just hungry for power and consuming it on himself and he's not thinking about the eternal, uh, eternal destiny of people, man. And so he's, he, he begins to change the word, or she, or whoever it might be. And he's a bad tree, and you can recognize that by his fruit. How, what is the fruit? Does the fruit line up with the word of God? It's the only way we can answer it. It's not an opinion. It's laying it up against the word of God and being willing to submit in that moment. And so if there's no, like, like so that person doesn't have fruit. If you, if you choose them and you have no fruit in your life, then what happens is if there's no fruit of the gospel, then you won't last. You just won't last. And so the, 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 the choice of where you're placing yourself and what kind of influence you're allowing to pull, pour over your mind and penetrate your heart determines the material that you build with. Now, remember back in Hosea, they were building palaces, large structures. And God said, they're not going to last. They're not going to last because they're not built the way I am expecting them to be built. And so, so we go on, and we learn that um, Jesus says in this this parable of of the the wise and foolish builder. And that's our third takeaway: is build on the rock. Okay, like Jesus is the rock. Now in Corinthians it says that the, the people in the Old Testament drank from the same spiritual rock which is Christ. Okay, so Jesus is the rock and you build on him. How do you build on him? He said you hear and do. Listen to what he says. Everyone who hears what? These words. What did God point out through the prophet Hosea? You're not listening to my word. What is the God pointing out to you through the preaching of this word today? It is that we need to listen to the word because he says who hears these words, but he doesn't just hear them. It says he hears these words of mine, and he puts them into practice. So he engages and becomes active. He's like a wise man. So a person who builds on him is, again, he's just reinforcing the same truth. He listens, he hears, and he does. So he's actively following. He's not perfect, okay? He's not a perfect person. But in the eyes of God, positionally, things have changed in his life because now he is hungry for more truth. He's hungry for more of the the word because he knows that it's bringing freedom in his life. What is the freedom? Freedom from guilt. Guilt from what? Rebelling from God and doing things my way. This is what this is all about, man. And remember, he's asking the people in the nation of Israel, how long will you be incapable of being free from guilt. and right? So then we look at the opposite side. If you build your house on the sand, you hear and neglect. So you can hear this word being preached to you as plain and as simply as it possibly can be. You can hear it and you can neglect it. You can hear it. You can believe that it's true, but neglect it. Now that is, that's strong. Okay, so does that mean that I'm in again, out again, in again, out again if I hear and then I neglect? No, because, man, if the Lord does a work in your life and you are saved by the grace of God and the Lord hits you hard in the heart, man, and he says, man, I never knew you. You know what word he uses? Gnosko. It It means the same thing as the Hebrew word that he used 730 years before yada. It means experiential knowledge. It means we have experienced the knowledge of God. It has hit our hearts, it has transformed us. And so there's no in and out again because once you taste and see that the Lord is good, you don't want to turn away. You just want to keep moving forward because freedom is starting to roll in your life. If you're constantly bouncing around, then you've got a commitment issue, and you need to nail it down to the Lord and you need to answer the question have I entered the narrow gate, or do I just believe a narrow gate is out there and I've gotten close to it? Because once you walk through it, the scripture clearly changed or clearly teaches therefore, if a man is in Christ, he is transformed. The old is gone. The new has come. He's bent toward the Lord, not away from him. Things are, are different in his life. And so as we look at that man, we're going, whoa. Like this is so similar to the same thing that he was saying to the people 730 years before. That brings us to the big idea. The whirlwind is coming. Like Jesus, he says, the says, there's a storm is coming, man. You're going to build your life on the rock because the storm is coming. And it's the only thing that will keep you together. And so here's the thing, man, is most people don't deliberately build their life on a false foundation. Most people don't go, man, I, and there are some who do. and, and, And they've just made a decision and they've taken a leap of faith and believed that Jesus was not God. Okay, and they're deliberate in that. But most people who believe in God, who claim to believe in God, as most of America does, most of America would say, I'm a Christian. All right? They're not deliberately building their life on a false foundation. They just don't think about it. They neglect it. And they think it's okay because someone told them a long time ago, just as long as you say these words, you'll be saved. That's not New Testament teaching. That is not New Testament teaching. If something doesn't happen inside of you where God transforms your life, you're not saved, man. You're just religious, and God is saying that. He's like, man, you gotta look at my word. And so how how do I know all this, and how can I be so strong in saying that? Because I believe the word, and I'm not wanting to walk in guilty. I'm capable of that purity, meaning freedom from guilt, is I'm going to walk according to the word. Why? Because that's what God came to give me. And Jesus lines up with it. And Jesus, everything Jesus did was taught in the Old Testament word. Jesus taught from the Old Testament. I showed you last week how he quoted from the prophet Hosea. And we got people that are believers now running around and saying, man, the Old Testament don't apply. You are crazy, man. You're crazy. Like if the Old Old Testament and the New Testament is what makes a Bible so beautiful and powerful, then we got to understand that and yield to it. And so here's the thing, man. Instead of neglecting it and saying, oh, I'm going to get around to it. You may not. You may not before the storm of your life blows in. And the whirlwind, man, ultimately is coming and it will be the whirlwind of God. That we stand before him and give an account for what we did in our knowledge, of knows, our knowing him, experiencing him. And so, so, so it's people not deliberate. They're, it's not that they're, not, they're, they're deliberately building their lives on, on a sandy foundation. It's they're neglecting it and not thinking about it. And I preach so hard to help you think about it it's so that you build your life on the rock. Because there's so many things out in the world trying to get you to build your life on the sand, and when the storm comes, man, my desire is that when it hits you, I want you to last. <laughs> I want you to last, man. I want the sheep that are under my care to last when the storms of crisis hit them in this life. I want them to last. And when the last breath is taken and, and, and the time comes for us to stand before the creator of the universe, I want you to last, man, forever and ever but I want you to walk in freedom right now. So don't, like don't lose sight of the word of the Lord and and don't neglect it, man. Maybe today is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. What are you gonna do with it? Jesus, we bow before you today and we thank you for the simplicity of your word. We thank you for the harmony of the Old and New Testament. We thank you, Jesus, that you're all over the New, Old Testament in spiritual form and you'll show up in the New Testament in physical form and we can expect you to come back and meet us, Lord, <laughs> when we are in our form. And my prayer today, Lord, is that people would, who are not saved, who don't know you, they would surrender, and they would come to know. They would perceive, Lord. They would gnosco. They would experience you, and they would never be the same. And Lord, for those of us who have had that experience, set our hearts on fire. Help us to quit trying to live between two worlds and get all the way in with you and your kingdom. And be citizens of your kingdom, a royal priesthood, going out declaring your praises to the world that needs to hear what you, who you are. Lord, help us to understand that salvation is not just personal, Lord. It is about you and you saving the world. And you use us once you save us to do that very thing that we might go and make disciples. To make disciples. I love you and thank you and pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and amen. Listen friend, if you made a decision today, you may be in a place right now where you're just weeping like your heart is broken and that's good man. Let it out. Let it out and let God in. Be broken over whatever has you broken and let the Holy Spirit breathe life into you. Welcome Jesus into your life. Confess that you're a sinner, that you believe in him, and you want him to be Lord and Savior, not just Savior, because he doesn't come that way. He only comes as Lord and Savior, and you leave the kingdom of the world and start walking in the kingdom of Christ. If you made a decision today, man, I hope you'll let me know um, because I want to pray for you. I want to help you. I want to make sure that you have the things around you, the sport around you to be the disciple that Jesus desires for you to be. We'll see you next week, and I hope that you um, listen to the Lord. Don't neglect it. and, And run with the lion. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.